Ooh, like notes through the hourglass, these are the songs of our lives, yes! Welcome to the latest episode of Songs of Our Lives. I am Brad Rose. I'm a musician, a composer, a writer, the founder of Foxy Digitalis, and somebody who thinks about music and sound far more than is healthy. Each week, I invite on a guest to talk about the music and songs, specifically songs, that have basically been with them along their journey and left a mark. This week, I'm really excited. Uh, this is, you know, I talked a couple episodes ago how I'm excited to have sort of non-musicians on because I think that I'd love to hear how music has been this really impactful thing on people's lives and the things they've done outside of mu the music world. Um, although this one has some crossover, but anyway, my guest is Tim Gormley, who is the co-founder of and a uh, former brew head brewer of burial beer company in Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina. Um, he also is the director of the visual, their visuals wine program and runs the label Ceremony of Seasons. That is, the label is how uh, Tim and I met. He sent me a promo, like his first release on the label, I believe, or the first one that I was, we were, I think the first one was, the first two, it was Ross Gentry and uh, Brett Nauke. And I mean, that's coming out with some heavy hitters, at least in the Foxy Digitalis world, especially. Uh, and we just kind of got to know each other and really hit it off and have been st just stayed in touch about through, you know, about music stuff and different things. And so when I started, I really wanted to talk to him because if you're not familiar with burial, burial beer company, gosh, like that's, that's a mouthful. Um, oh God, bad pun. Um, anyway, there, and I, I talked to him about this, but I remember when I first saw their like can designs, it was so, it was like, oh man, the people who are running this are into like metal and, like psychedelic music and stuff and and then like the names of the beers and just the whole aesthetic it is so it is so just <laughs> my vibe and even though i don't i don't really drink much these days um i love seeing just like i follow them on instagram just because i really love the i love like the seeing the names and just the and the the wine stuff uh the visuals wine labels are beautiful and so Ceremony of Seasons was started to as basically part of or a collab and working in collaboration with the Visuals uh, Wine Club, and so each of the releases, most of the releases, I don't know if it's all of them, I think it's most of them, have a wine pairing with them. And it's just such the coolest thing. This like really like holistic um, connection and just experience and. I, yeah. So I, I knew that I knew that Tim needed to come on because there's so much to talk about here. And, and I wasn't wrong. Like he has so many good stories. This is the longest episode I've ever done is because there's, there's just so many good stories and we were just having like, for lack of a better phrase, we were like really vibing and it just kind of, it, it, it got long and, but I'd love when that happens. Um, and I'm really excited for people to share it. The latest ceremony of seasons release is Meg Mulhern's let it burn through the night. I think it is officially out on, January. God, what is the Friday? Uh, I, this is the problem. I can never remember dates. Um, February 2nd. I was thinking January 31st, but I didn't think it was Friday. So it is out. It is officially out on February 2nd. You can pre-order it now. It is on vinyl and digital. Um, 
and yeah, it's and it's a really good, really, really good record. I'm a big fan of Meg's stuff. Um, but yeah, so we had a lot of fun. We recorded this on Zoom a couple of weeks ago. Had some technical difficulties, but we made it through and had a great time. And I think you all will enjoy it. My guest today is a brewer, vintner, director of visuals, and the mogul behind Ceremony of Seasons record label, among many other things. It is Tim Gormley. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brad. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, man. This is such a a thrill, honestly, because I've been listening to to your podcast, at least from the beginning that you started doing podcasts. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like, super surreal to be on on this side <laughs> to be actually involved that's crazy it's very different being in the hot seat as <laughs> like like i was saying I, you know i've done this where someone interviewed me for it and afterwards i was like wow what i'm putting people through some things here <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's so good man yeah that's the exactly so <laughs> Um, so for those who, who aren't aware, you are one of the co-founders of burial beer company and visuals wine. Um, and it all burial came first. Um, you guys have been around for a little over you guys had your 10 year anniversary this year. Yep. That's right. In June, man, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and as I was, I mentioned, like one of the things that the first exposure I ever had to burial was. Is it skillet donut stout? Yeah, it, exactly. So yeah, I used to do some beer trading back today, and somebody, I think somebody threw one of those in as an extra, like back in the day, and immediately saw the label and was like, "Whoa, this is cool. What is this?" And then, and then the beer was really good, but the label, like, really, the whole kind of vibe of it just stuck with me. Right. Um, and so I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, like, you know, how that the sort of like the name and the the visual elements and even the names of the beers, because I think like I look at a lot of the names of the beers. I'm like, God, that'd be a great album title. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. Um, Yeah. They're just, our names are kind of like, they've become this almost cult like thing. It's hard. I'm not (laughs) quite sure the best way to describe it, but like there's literally these burial beer name generators that some oh, wow. somebody that I don't no one knows who it is. <laughs> somebody on the internet created this, and it's literally like, all right, what's your birth date and what's your you know? There's all these like things mm-hmm. about you, and you connect them all, and that becomes your burial beer name. It's so amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm so, as soon as we get off this call, I'm looking up what mine will be. And right. <laughs> um, maybe that'll be the name of a future, like, Charlatan album. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, as it should. But yeah, I mean, the, uh, you know, music has always been such a huge part of my life. And, you know, that's pretty true for my business partners as well. And I've I feel like I always pay a lot of attention to, music i'm the i'm the type of person that you know when i when i find those albums that i that i'm obsessed with it's like give me all the information possible mm-hmm. and i i the p- big part of the reason why i love Bandcamp over a lot of the other streaming services is because there's that opportunity for the artist or the label or whatever to put all that kind of description material on there and i i kind of obsess over that and i feel like 
in a lot of ways, um, the way that we've kind of built the aesthetic of the brewery and the way that we talk about our beers um, is, you know, inherently kind of inspired by the music world. Um, and, you know, I went, I kind of um, fell in love with, with metal and kind of heavier music in high school. And um, I grew up in, in the Philly area. And then uh, in 2007, I kind of let decided I wanted to get out of Philly and just kind of go on an adventure. And I ended up moving to Seattle, Washington, because it was just like, you know, on paper, it seemed like my perfect kind of like my perfect city, you know, great, yeah. great music, great beer, uh, beautiful, surrounded by amazing nature, a lot of hiking and camping and um very progressive town so ended up moving there and um my, my kind of like love for music really i feel like blossomed to some degree or definitely like got a bit more intense more important part of my life and i discovered a ton of amazing stuff and got to see so many great shows out there um and then it was while living out there that i be, kind of got into the beer world as a professional, you know, being like a long time craft beer drinker and, you know, uh, dabbled in home brewing, um, ended up meeting business partners out there. Um, and now business partners, they, Doug is originally from Ohio and Jess is from New York. They had lived in New Orleans for a little while during grad school. They moved to Seattle to, uh, you know, partially because they loved wine actually. And, um, <laughs> and, um partially because you know they were also like intrigued by the art and music scene there mm -hmm. and um yeah anyway we we met we we actually started this like beer blog together and then we were homebrewing together and then eventually we decided we we're gonna work on opening a brewery so we were kind of like working on a business plan and uh we, we kind of got to that stage where it's like all right what's the name gonna be and we had pitched like i mean we had this list probably 20 some potential names long at one point and nothing just felt quite right yeah. and then there was this moment when jess actually went down to to visit new orleans again and um i think she was just kind of like walking around and and uh walked past uh, a cemetery and for anybody that's ever been to new orleans you know the cemeteries down there are very unique because New Orleans is below sea level, so they don't have any, you know, below ground mm -hmm. tombs. Everything's like above ground and these like obelisk things. They're like yeah. really, really beautiful. Uh, and so that kind of inspired her. And she thought of this name Burial as a potential name for the brewery. And um, she ended up pitching it to Doug and Jess, or excuse me, Doug and I. And we, we you know, I, of course, loved it because <laughs> right. it was it, it, like, kind of fit that metal aesthetic that i love and yeah. of course like burial the the electronic musician was like a thing at that time uh -huh. i was pretty obsessed with with that guy um <laughs> and so yeah we we kind of just fell in love with it and and in a lot of ways the name kind of represented something a little bit less kind of dark as it might initially seem it was really we were really leaning into this idea of like light versus dark um 
the like life, life and death, the cyclical nature mm-hmm. of life, like the New Orleans concept of the jazz funeral is just such a beautiful thing where, you know, somebody passes away and instead of everybody, you know, wearing black and being extremely mournful, it's like this parade and it's a celebration of their life. And it's kind of a really beautiful way to flip something that's kind of dark. And so, um, that, that's kind of like the philosophy that we more leaned into, but of course the name lent itself to some really cool kind of darker imagery. And, um, you know, I started to pitch all these like metal album cover illustrators and concert poster illustrators and, um, one of the really cool things that Jess actually introduced me to, because she has a degree in arts administration and uh, mm. was always really interested in art. She was, she fell in love with Flemish art um, and a lot of the Flemish art, you know, Hieronymus Bosch is kind of the example that I always go to because I feel like right. people might know him, but, you know, it's kind of religious inspired, I think in a lot of ways, but it ends up being this very like, dark and psychedelic uh trippy sort of thing and um so i think some of the art that i pitched to doug and jess that in some ways resonated with that side that love that they had Mm -hmm. and kind of like wasn't just straight up like death and gore but like had kind of like reverence of nature into it and um some some of the beautiful side of it all uh that that was kind of the, the direction we wanted to go. And so we, I ended up pitching this guy, David Paul Seymour, who, uh, who kind of, I knew mostly through a lot of kind of like uh, doom and, and stoner metal albums, mm. some psychedelic rock albums. Um, and they, they were really into his work. And so we reached out to him and it ended up being incredible because he, he actually was an architect at the time and he did illustration on the side. So that fact that he like understood the like business side of it all, yeah, was kind of actually unique in comparison to a lot of the other artists that we had like reached out to. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the relationship has been going for 10 years now. Um, and like, you know, his, his art is so tied to the burial brand uh right i can't even imagine separating the two so yeah uh, it's pretty cool i can't i can't yeah i mean it's such a distinct like the visual element of it is so distinct and so uh like for me like stuff like that just so much adds to the experience of like enjoying the beer or you know and um and and i yeah i think i really like the so so my wife is an archaeologist and so there's a lot of, you know, circle of light, like bones and, but like all of these things are very like thinking about death and let, like, it's not like a morbid thing in our house. It's like this <laughs> thing, it's just part, you know, and, yeah. and I think that I really love the, just, I don't know, like all of that feels so ingrained in like what you guys present. And then again, like add the names and then, I mean, you all are, you know, like it, ingredients are, you know, they're grown. Like it's all, it's like, things, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like you, uh, we were talking about earlier. It's like, it's an agricultural product. So it's like right. these things are come from the earth and 
it's kind of, it's yeah i mean i think it's really like this kind of beautiful thing and you know i'm sure some people are like oh it's just beer it's like no but it's more than that, it's <laughs> more than that. Well, I, i'm glad that you you like i'm glad that that comes through i guess i should say because like in so many ways we are, you know are like more or less our like mission statement at burial is to create immersive experiences and so mm. the the beverages that we make are you know obviously a big part of how we do that but we do put an enormous amount of effort into the things beyond the actual liquid you know the, the packaging right. the art the name the description of the beer and then uh, you know beyond that the experience by which you have it in you know like we we try to really create these immersive spaces we have um several tap rooms now mm-hmm. um you know we put a lot of love into like what even the music that's playing at the tap room and the, mm-hmm. the core and all, all that stuff so yeah. yeah it's like a full experience and that that very much kind of leads into what i've been doing lately on the wine side of things which, right. which is you know we call it visuals it's like a different brand but it's the same ownership um you know i i make the beverages uh for the most part within the same um walls as as we make the beer but uh <laughs> the uh you know the brand's got a little bit of a well actually dramatically different aesthetic to it um the labels are <laughs> much more like photography based and there's this very kind of like geometric um kind of graphic overlays on the photography um but yeah this was kind of like you know i was the head brewer for burial for the first five years and then um had to kind of shift into various other roles based off of what the business kind of needed needed to do and then um kind of late 2020 after things settled out a little bit with COVID and we, you know, gained some confidence that our business would, uh, would remain. <laughs> a business. Um, I was kind of like given this very unique and exciting opportunity to kind of carve out my own path, like decide what role I wanted to play in burial. And, um, we had started this visuals brand, but no one was really kind of focused on it. And so I, I saw it as a really amazing opportunity to just like expand my knowledge base and learn about a different type of fermentation, um, and to make connections in a kind of a different, um, sub subculture of the greater kind of craft beverage subculture. And, um, and yeah, one of the things that kind of kept coming up for me as I talked to winemakers that I met and was asking them, you know, like, how do you create experiences for your customers? Like, how how do you connect with them? Because it's much more rare for a winery to have a bar like, like breweries do, you know, like almost every brewery, every craft brewery in America has like a tap room, right? They have, have that mechanism to, be you know hand the, the beverage across the bar and right. talk about it and let, not a lot of wineries do that so well a lot of wineries end up doing is having these wine clubs and a lot of times the wine clubs have like you know two to four uh, releases a year and it's like you get a case or a half a case of wine and that's kind of the extent of it uh, of course you know sometimes there'll be events surrounding it taste mm-hmm. meet, the, meet the winemaker whatever but i really was like determined to come up with 
you know, what's the like burialized version of uh, <laughs> of a wine club? And to me, it just it had to be much more experiential. It had to have more components to it. And um, in a lot of ways, I just, you know, it's it it's kind of, I guess, in a way, like personal to me because I I think about the ways that I like to uh, enjoy a beverage that you know that feels kind of special and a lot mm -hmm. of times i i treat it like this ritual of of sorts where you know you're kind of like all right i want to i want to make sure that i've got this beverage at like the perfect temperature and i've got my like perfect my favorite glass out and i'm like what record am i gonna put on right um maybe light a candle or something <laughs> and, uh, yeah just like make it a special moment where i can really literally you know be in the moment and like yeah and, and enjoy it fully and take it in and uh and so that was kind of the gift that i was hoping to give to others you know like how do i cultivate that how do i curate an experience that people w can have uh on their own with our wine and um be me being who i am and um uh, being the lover of music that I am, I was like, <laughs> no experience that I create is, is going to have, you know, not have a music element. You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, I had decided that, uh, that I wanted to have some piece of music that goes with the experience. And of course, you know, I could have created like a custom playlist or something like that, you know, and that's cool. Um, yeah, but I, I, I really wanted to celebrate Asheville as much as possible because it's such an amazing place full of a lot of creative people. And I, you know, through yes. the years I had met a lot of amazing musicians in town, you know, we're really lucky that we have both Moog and make noise synthesizer companies based in Asheville, which is like right. super strange <laughs> for such a small town, <laughs> right. but that ends up, you know, cultivating like a pretty incredible, um subculture of of people making you know more kind of mm -hmm. abstract uh, experimental synth based music which is my wheelhouse you know right. people, they love <laughs> exactly. that stuff so yeah so i ended up basically reaching out to all these musicians in town i was like hey i have this idea i could be totally crazy feel free <laughs> to say that i'm crazy uh, yeah but like <laughs> would you be down to write and record um uh, a record specifically for this experience like not only inspired by the wine that's going to come with the membership package but also like the season mm -hmm. i do like seasonal releases and uh, i was actually like really taken aback by how much enthusiasm that concept was was greeted with like so many of the musicians were like man i love this idea and like honestly i wish that i had more kind of prompts like this yeah like a, a starting place for how i create um yeah i mean because I, I know like for me like a lot of my music i make it comes from like some idea will like pop in my head or you know it's not and so yeah having somebody approach you and be like here's <laughs> these sort of it's like oh yeah i can yeah. I can go with this. I guess in a way, um, it's almost like you know being asked to score uh, a film. Yeah, yeah, you're scoring a wine. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's that kind of honestly like that's, that's so cool. the purpose of me starting the ceremony of seasons label 
was essentially to just facilitate this much bigger vision that I had for the wine club. And I just, I knew I wanted to have, have like complete con creative control mm -hmm. for the process. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's kind of where the label started. And then I'm, I guess this, we're, we're only at the time of recording this, we're less than two weeks away from the winter solstice, which uh, mm -hmm. is December 21st, which is when I'll be releasing the next one, which will be the, the sixth, uh, sixth wine club release. Though technically it's my seventh um, musical release because I released one kind of one cassette tape with Frost Gentry last year that was unassociated with the wine club ah. uh, just because I was so excited about the, <laughs> the piece of music and I love Ross and I was like, I'm yeah. putting this out, man. This is amazing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like, that's kind of where I'm at right now and, and how the how visuals and and um and ceremony of seasons and i call the the wine club ritual of senses you know the, the ceremony of seasons and the ritual of senses were kind of very purposefully mm -hmm. like made to sound like each other yeah both kind of referencing that that concept of like making a special moment out of the, mm -hmm. the experience with the music and the wine so I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's funny to, I was thinking about this when you were, you know, talking about like the, the sort of ritual of opening a, you know, a bottle of something. I was like, oh, that's also really similar to the ritual I have when I'm like sitting down to put on like a record, especially a record. I was really like, I've been really looking forward to or something. And it's, it's the same thing. And so that connection just makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing too, and I think it's really cool. Like, Cause yeah, like the kind of music you're putting out is like right in my wheelhouse too. It's the kind of stuff I really love. Um, but I really love that like these artists and these albums are getting exposed to an audience that they may not otherwise like through the wine club, through people who are maybe have joined it more because their interest is more with the wine. But I imagine, yeah, I, I mean, you know, there are like people are who aren't exposed to the kind of music that maybe I'm obsessed with but are like, they're really thoughtful, interesting people. And they just don't know about it. Cause it's most people don't know about it. And so it's like, you yeah. put it in front of them in this way. It's like, they're going to be, they're going to think, Oh, cool. Okay. I'm going to do, you know, this is what is intended. I'm going to do that. And then, you know, some subset of them are going to probably find something like, wow, I really like this. And now I want to know more about this. And I think that's such a, like, really like in this moment of where, you know, it feels like, the music industry is and they, like getting stuff out there and, and, and bringing people in and all that. It's like very difficult. Like, I think ways like that, it's just, it's so cool. Like, it's so awesome. And, um, yeah, I'm, thank you. Man. I'm, yeah. I'm very stoked about all of it. <laughs> thank you. No, it means a lot to me. Um, and yeah, it's been incredibly fulfilling for me and you're, I mean, yes, there are, so many times when people in the club tell me like how much they loved the record, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, I think it's almost impossible for me on some level to not be like, yeah, maybe this was a little self-serving, right? Like this is, this is music that I am passionate about and I'm kind of like, uh, you know, not forcing it upon people, but I mean, in a way it's like, I guess I, knew 
that maybe people would be like, what is going on here? You know what I mean? Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I guess I just, I'm the type of person I'm, I've always felt very strongly about, like, if you understand the context of, uh, you understand the backstory of a piece of art, no matter what it is, you're going to appreciate it on such a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you could see a piece of art, if it's a visual art, it just might mean absolutely nothing to you or like, seems like a child did it right. Or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. but then you, you start to learn the story and like how it connects with the broader world of art and yeah. when it happened, all those details really make it, um, make it kind of solidify in your mind oh yeah this is special and i think in a way that that was the kind of idea here was like try to carve out a moment for yourself yeah. like in this very add world that we live in where there's just so much information being you know crammed down our throats at mm -hmm. all times to just try to like take a minute for yourself um sit down with this and take it in and i think cultivating that sort of headspace hopefully makes people more um more like open to it i mean my you know yeah. my mom as amazing as she is um wanted to support this project of mine and she's been in the club <laughs> from the beginning and she she often says how much she loves the music and i like that's, that's so cool that's the that's the best <laughs> yeah that's amazing oh i love that yeah. oh man supportive parents yeah <laughs> Um, before we get into the meat of the show, I also want to, uh, so, you know, all these music's obviously have been a very big part of your life and it's been, a various elements of music have been influential to the, to the brewery and the, and to, to visuals. Um, do you guys do shows at the brewery? Oh yeah. So glad you asked that. Um, yeah. So, um. From the very beginning of Burial, we had we we had this festival that we call Burn Pile, and it's uh, during autumn, and it's always it's from the beginning. It's just meant to kind of celebrate the harvest season, and mm -hmm. we've always asked the brewers that send beer to it to give us a beer that, in some way, however they see fit, kind of celebrates the harvest season. And um, there's always been a live music component to that. Uh, in the early days when we were small, we really focused on local and, and you know, smaller regional bands. Um, mm -hmm. And then I'm pretty sure it was 2019 when we had basically scaled up Burn Pile Festival. We shifted it to Forestry Camp, which is our, our second location in Asheville, which is like this really amazing kind of almost like a campus on two acres. So there's a lot of outdoor space. And at that point, we um, started working with uh, Jeff Whitworth, who's a, a booking agent in town that mostly focuses on the Gray Eagle, which is a really great venue in town. And so he was helping us book some more like nice. bigger touring bands. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was really where we started to kind of dabble in in that. And that was an amazingly fulfilling experience, too, because it was basically just, you know, Doug, Jess and I have been like emailing Jeff like, all these bands that we love that we would you know, like our dream <laughs> bands to play. And, uh, at, at times some of those bands, you know, came true and that was just oh, that's insane to have <laughs> these bands that you, that you love play at your place, you know, in front of like your audience. Um, and it was just another one of those like 
ways that we could kind of curate the, the vibes that that uh we wanted to the experiences that we wanted to and then um this is still like super fresh but literally like a month a month and a half ago we just opened uh, a music venue uh ca called eulogy which is right next door to our original tap room in the south slope neighborhood of Asheville. we just got really lucky that the the, the building right next door which used to be called Asheville hardware it was like a more like a woodworking store, but it was a pretty large building with um, like a big showroom floor, a big basement, and then like a big storage unit next door to it. We were able to acquire the whole building. We put a little uh, like another brewery in the kind of storage area. We used the basement for uh, like our shipping area and, and storage and that now it's like the green room for the venue and then the oh, that's awesome. the the main showroom floor became this music venue so um yeah it's been just uh, so surreal honestly being like such a, a music nerd for so long and to be so inspired by music for so long and then to start dabbling like hosting bands that I really love uh -huh. and getting to meet them. And, and then now having this music venue where it's like music is legitimately part of my like professional life now too. It's, it's yeah. totally crazy. Living the dream. I know it's so true. <laughs> so true. It's been so cool. So yeah, like check it out if for anybody uh -huh. that, um, that is ever passing through Asheville eulogy is the name. And, uh, Brad, I got to get you out to Asheville. I got to take you to a show. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Hey, I'm. It's been way too long since I've been to Asheville, so we will um, revisit that at a future date. <laughs> yes. Um, well, okay. So let's 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 get into the the meat of the show here. Yeah. Um, and let's let's start as we always do by going way back past before burial was a thing before you ever realized maybe that you like beer hopefully i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and um what, what's the first song that you remember yeah man i gotta tell you i uh i ended up initially i was kind of terrified of this question um <laughs> but i ended it ended up being the most meaningful question the first question ended up being the most meaningful question for me and you know to be honest with you the the answer that i came up with um is not necessarily related to this story I'm going to tell, but I do think that it is, it, it's worth telling because it, yeah. it, it ended up being very meaningful to me. So it just so happened that when you initially sent me the email with the list of questions and asked me to be a part of the podcast, I, my dad uh, was visiting town and um, I'm originally from the Philly area. My dad still lives in uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania, kind of a suburb of, philadelphia um and so it's you know it's like a nine hour drive down to visit me. my my younger sister i have one sibling my younger sister lives in Asheville as well so um you know all the more reason for my dad to make that long drive yeah. a couple times a year and uh you know inevit inevitably we were like sitting at a bar at one point while he was visiting and um I, you know, I brought up the fact that I was asked to do this podcast and I was, I was basically telling, you know, my dad, my sister, my wife was there as well. And I was like, man, this is looking at these questions. I like, this is going to be so hard for me because I feel like 
I don't listen to music like this. Uh, uh-huh. I was like, I mean, of course, I I understand that, like, technically speaking, a song, the definition of a song is that it has lyrics, right? But I was like, I listen to so much music that doesn't have lyrics at all, that's instrumental. I listen to, uh, you know, I'm like kind of obsessed with the idea of an album and like a, you know, a full expression. Most of the, I'm like, how do I even pick a song from an album that I love? It's all, it's, it's not about the songs, you know? And I'm just like kind of going on and on. And my dad literally says to me, he says, if I were you, I'd run as far away from you that you can get. And I was like, that was so funny. But he said, I'm glad you didn't listen to your dad. I'm just gonna- <laughs> I know, I know. And it's like, I'm sure to some degree he was just trying to be supportive of me. And be, right. yeah, I don't want to see you struggle through this, but right. Um, but uh, but honestly, in a lot of ways, it ended up being like I loved the challenge of it. But I guess um, one of the really cool things that came up as we were kind of contemplating this um, this first question, my dad made he he told my sister and I, the story, which I had hard heard parts of the story before, but there was one particular detail that really struck me that I don't recall him ever saying before. And it was basically like when we were kids, we're like three years apart. Uh, when we were kids, when we couldn't sleep or, you know, just, you know, being ornery or crying or whatever in the middle of the night in order to kind of satiate us and get us to fall back asleep, he would put us in the car, drive us around. Of course, like the notion of being in a car, is kind of soothing and puts you to sleep. But he also mentioned in this particular time telling the story that he would put on this radio program when he would drive us around. And it it was like really, I forget exactly the word he said, but he was like, it was very soothing, you know, like <laughs> quiet music that would help us go to sleep. And I I just remember being like, holy shit, this could be, this is big. Like I, I like I am obsessed with this music and maybe this was like the very this is where it all began yeah, this is where it all began yeah and I, I remember asking my dad i was like do you think you would describe the music as being like ambient or new age and he was like oh 100 and i was like oh what is this um and then so subsequently kind of like after my dad left and i was like marinating on this concept i you know i got in this text thread with my sister and my dad and i was like I was like, Dad, if you think if you can do some research and like help me figure out what this show might have been, like I would just love to know and do some more research. And um, both him and my sister ended up like chiming in like all these potential options. And um, I was, you know, looking back on them, trying to figure out, all right, like does the timeline match up? Because I was born in mm-hmm. eighty, so I'm, I'm guessing it must have. My sister was born in 83, so I must have been like 83 or 84 or something in that zone. And um, I'm I'm pretty certain that it must have been the show called uh, Star's End, um, which my research shook, uh, led me that it started, I think, in the late 70s. So the timing checks out. And it was mm-hmm. a show that was on WXPN, which was a... Uh, the college radio station of University of Pennsylvania. So <laughs> checks out with like where I grew up. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm pretty sure the show is like still existing. I, ha- I haven't um, been able to have tuned in. Yeah. Well, I haven't really been able to find like any archives of like, you know, uh-huh. might've been like way back then. 
Um, but yeah, that was like, that's amazing. That was just like a really cool thing. And, and then that kind of led me to think about other things that my dad, um, played for me that kind of may have influenced how I listen now. Like I remember this record he had that was, um, songs of the humpback whales. Uh, Oh yeah. And yeah, doing some research on that, it apparently was like a really big deal back in the day and like sold hundreds of thousands of copies and ended up leading to like all these save the whale movements. Uh, but you know, it being based in field recordings. Uh, right. Yeah. So that, that was like a really fun journey. Um, but, uh, and, you know, I also thought it was pretty funny that my sister immediately was like, I know what your answers should be. <laughs> and she said two, two albums, which I do also recall being on like heavy rotation when we were kids. One of which is actually going to come up later in this podcast. So, Okay. Reveal that one yet? But the uh, one of them was uh, this group called the Nylons, which was like this a cappella group from the '80s, like mid '80s. Uh, it's kind of cool, but also kind of <laughs> nerdy as hell. But um, but nevertheless, the way that I ended up answering this question, and and I, I guess I should mention also that like a good amount of or a portion of these questions it was like i knew the answer immediately mm-hmm. and i ended up sticking with that answer even though i questioned it a bunch of times and then there was other other questions where it took me quite a while to like contemplate and to settle in on an answer that i felt good about but i i have this very distinct memory of being a kid i want to say i was maybe like five years old or so and i was gifted this essentially like a break dancing kit of some kind so i remember i only really remember like two details about this it came with a cassette tape which was like uh a compilation of sorts uh of music that i guess you should break dance to yeah and then it had this like fold out poster that um essentially walked you through like how to do certain uh break dancing moves uh and you know I wish I could remember who gave me this gift because it sounds really cool. And I also wish I still had it or could like find it somewhere. But uh, one of the songs that just immediately kind of protruded through to me um, from that tape um, that I could kind of hear in my head like immediately was uh, a Herbie Hancock song, Rocket, uh, which is, you know, like, listening back i hadn't really heard it in a really long time it's a pretty pretty cool song but i actually ended up finding this youtube video and it's essentially like a seems like a remix of the song but like all the video and the music video is all like uh certainly from the like from the 80s uh-huh. people like break dancing and it's just such a cool that is awesome music video um yeah it's it, it was it was really fun to kind of think back on that and yeah for whatever reason that was one that that i thought of first <laughs> that's that's uh, it's it's such a banger yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it is so and 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 yeah and herbie hancock is just um he can do he can do everything i mean you, just like listening to his 
like just you know jumping jump into anything like different points of his career and and it's it's one of those things where it, it can be hard to believe it's like oh this is the same person right but like, like if you if you listen like really closely like you can kind of hear you know it's like oh yeah that is you know maybe like a riff or whatever he would play like right. but it's just it's amazing to me i'm so i'm always so like blown away by artists who can just kind of be chameleons like that and just kind of go into different worlds and and not just you know it's like he would go into different worlds and then just like own it <laughs> be like okay i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna be like well, the best person who does it and um yeah that's and a break dancing kit sounds cool as hell <laughs> i know right i'm man it's cool I'm and it's actually kind of amazing too that i remember yeah i basically told my dad like I think I'm going to go with this answer. And I remember my dad just being like, oh, man, that's a good one. I remember I had that record. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's rad. I don't, that's really I don't cool. remember him having that at all. <laughs> yeah, my dad didn't have any Herbie Hancock records, unfortunately. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's, a, that's a hell hell of a place to start. Right. <laughs> um, like New Age radio stations and right. Herbie Hancock. God. Um <laughs> explains a lot I yeah think. right I know. <laughs> it's crazy um well on a completely different tangent what what's a song that either either makes you cry or makes you makes you feel that feeling um you know what whatever that feeling is but right. it makes you feel like you're gonna cry right yeah you know it's uh it's interesting I, I this is another question where i i did kind of know the answer immediately though um and I ended up sticking with it, but I definitely considered quite a few other options, which um, I think also with this exercise, it's like a lot of my answers are could be very interchangeable with other answers. Sure. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I even, I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily identify with a cr being a crier, but um, music above and beyond um, almost anything else like does kind of bring emotions out of me and kind of make me well up at times. And honestly, most of the time it's not because of the actual like content of the music or like mm -hmm. lyrical uh, message, but it's just kind of like that deep feeling of, of like almost like goosebumps, like to the next level, like, mm -hmm. like it's just so powerful. Uh, most of the time it comes when I'm listening to music, like extremely loudly. Um, <laughs> That's always important too, but yes. uh, yeah, the one that that really came came through that I had to pick, and again, it was like the first one I thought of was "Sawdust and Diamonds" by Joanna Newsom. And um, man, I I think as I've thought back on this, I was kind of uh, reminded that. So this this is off the album Ease, I want to say. I think I'm saying that correct, correct? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, the album prior to that one, Milk Eyed Mender, I believe it was. Uh, mm -hmm. That album, I just remember being so obsessed with when it, when it initially came out. And it just so happened to be kind of coinciding with um, this like pretty hard breakup that I was going through with like my kind of long time like college girlfriend uh it was the first girlfriend that i ever actually like lived with after college and oh, um so it was like i kind of like i think that i associated in a lot of ways uh joanna newsom's music with this kind of heartache and then you know mm -hmm. of course 
there are moments in Joanna Newsom's music that it's it's like elation, you know, but right. it is also extremely sad, emotional music. Um, and actually, I was re- I was listening back to Milk God Mender not that long ago, and I actually had to turn it off because I just kept thinking uh, about like almost unrelated sad shit. Like it was yeah. making me so sad. Uh, <laughs> There's some songs in there that are just like straight knives through the heart. Oh my and, god! Like, yeah, um, unbelievable. My my pick for this question, like I. I I was interviewed by my friend Nina Dante, which it's only on Patreon. I don't know. It may go out on the main feed sometime, but my pick was uh Joanna Newsom song from Milk Eyed Mender. Oh the man, main. that's so crazy. Yeah. It, and even like when I was talking about it on an episode, I was like, oh my God, I might start crying. Right now. For real, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I uh, just remember because I was so obsessed with with Milk Eyed Mender when Ease came out, I was incredibly excited for it. Yeah. You know, eagerly anticipating it i remember i bought it on vinyl and i i definitely remember like you know taking the time to be like all right like i'm getting into this i'm going to listen to this album like all the way through i'm going to really pay attention to it (laughs) and uh man I, i was i just remember being so struck by the you know the song structures in that album are quite a bit different i feel like they're mm-hmm. they're very meandering and um they're quite long and they they don't really repeat very often mm-hmm. and obviously like the it's very poetic you know it's like the 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 lyrics are um such a critical part in the way that right. is and you know to, i don't really listen to to lyrics generally like i so much of the music I listen to is instrumental and even music that I love that isn't instrumental, like the, the lyrics are kind of the last thing I think about. And man, I, I, I honestly like quite rarely like look up the lyrics. Um, it, I know that it's so different from the way so many people listen to music. My wife is so like lyric driven, like it's, it's quite interesting to me. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, I just remember sitting and like, reading through the lyrics um as i listened because they just seemed like such a critical part of the of the experience and i remember when for whatever reason when uh, sawdust and diamonds came on i just like lost it and was like (laughs) totally bawling you know and again like it could have been any of the songs i guess but there was something about the way that song kind of like i think kind of like a crescendo near the end of the song where it's just like oh my god and then listening to it subsequent times i was struck like you know again by that same song and so that was Mm -hmm. what solidified it in my head as being like this is my crying song (laughs) yeah (laughs) whenever whenever you need a a good cry just put on sawdust and I mean, Joanna Newsom, yeah, I don't know. There are a few artists that I feel like get, like, just the emotion out of me that she does. And like you said, and, and a lot of her music is, like, she, there's, like, some, there's, some of it's very joyous and very, like, uh-huh. it runs the gamut. And she's just, ah, oh, she's incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought it I, was pretty interesting that she came up in the, the Patrick Shiroshi episode as well. that's been a cool thing about this show is because you really haven't had that many episodes but uh 
the same artists do kind of pop up uh-huh. from time to time and it's it's kind of amazing to to see that like all these these people right dive really deep into music but there's certain certain things artists that, that you just can't deny their power you know yeah yeah joanna newsom is definitely one of those and and as i said on that episode of patrick my dream for 2024 is that we get a new album yes uh, well, on the kind of on the flip side of that, what's a song that always puts you in a better mood? And so this um, this answer, or this question actually ended up being um, probably the 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 one where I had the most potential answers because I feel like so much of the way I mu- I listen to music, so much of how I research music is, you know, I in a lot of ways i kind of just think of music as being this like drug you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i don't know how else to play i mean it's just such a it regulates my mood in so many ways or puts me in the right. mood i want to be i mean i've often been asked like how do you organize your records you know and my answer is i i do it by like mood honestly it's like it's either the mood that I am in and want to stay in, or it's a mood that I am not in, but I want to be in. So I go to that, that, uh, shelf of, of the uh-huh. shelf. But, um, I think that, yeah, like, I, I, I think I probably could have answered this question. Like maybe most people would like some song that's very like joyous and like, you know, right. and a poppy and like just makes you want to dance or makes you smile. And I, I honestly strongly considered answering this with uh, a Billy Ocean song, Caribbean Queen, which uh, <laughs> I that's often my kind of go to. If yeah, I'm like if I'm like uh, hanging with a bunch of people and we're, you know, drinking or smoking or whatever. And it's right. I'm like, can I control the music for a minute? Can you put that song on. And everybody is loving life. Uh, yeah. But I ended up deciding I'd rather kind of answer it with more of the um, kind of like a like a psychedelic kind of like vibey headspace. Um, and and I, honestly, that's the music that I, I would say I most love and I most mm-hmm. look for. And so I probably could have gone to like the top left two shelves in my record collection and picked out any one of Anything. them and it could have been the answer uh but the one i went with was uh john porus uh and I, I, this is another one of those ones where i wish i could just tell you or maybe i just will because why not but i wish i could just tell you the album and not like a specific song because picking a specific song just feels kind of pointless to me on that sure I, I, it's from um voices of the air Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah that album just kind of through and through it gets me every time i hear it i definitely distinctly remember the first the the day i got that record in the mail and i put it on and i turned it up really loud and i also cried a lot (laughs) while i listened to that one uh there's something about the way that this type of music just like like it's like it resonates my whole body uh, mm-hmm. it's like it 
changes the frequency of the water in my body to be like zen um oh man i love and, yeah yeah i think that's such a good because something i think about a lot is the like physical like the physical effect that music and sound has on our bodies um uh, because you know i mean sound are waves and they they literally you know affect our body and, and this yeah this music is i love that description because it does it's there's like there's a like i don't know there's just like really sort of pure catharsis like buried into the these like his music is very like the they're, like the the movements and so it's very subtle but like those subtle movements it's you know you think of like a ripple because it's like those subtle movements just like send out these huge sort of feelings of it's yeah it's like if this music made me cry i'd be like a happy like appreciate the world is beautiful cry. <laughs> like, oh, um, yeah and there's something and, about this i mean i have been obsessed with uh john torres and evan caminiti who are the you know, the duo behind uh, Barn Owl, the like a Bay Area kind yeah. of drone project. I have a long, long history with those guys. Yeah, like, uh, good history. Um, oh, man, I, I, when I first discovered Barn Owl, I was oh, so obsessed and I feel really lucky I got to see them play yeah. sometime in Portland. Uh, and I've been following, you know, their solo careers and I love pretty much everything that they've put out. Um, yeah. yeah, there's just something about this particular album where it just, to me, it it almost feels as though you're in the room with mm-hmm. with John, just like like with a bank of synthesizers and a guitar and a bunch of effects pedals, right. just kind of like creating these vibes and loops and stuff like live right there like in the moment it's just like flowing Mm -hmm. out of him Mm -hmm. Uh, and it just feels so good it's just like i wish i could be a fly on the wall for like right all those moments that he didn't record you know what i mean right oh my god yeah no it's i i totally feel that and yeah i one of my i brought like barn i brought them here in like 2008 or something and played to like six people (laughs) and it was and it was it was like one of the best shows i've ever seen like there oh my god it was incredible i'll have to send you so when they were here we recorded a record like it was them and my wife and i like we made a record as um our band name was hanging thief and i put it out on tape on my old label 100 years ago but i listened to it i don't know a couple months ago i was like man this still rules it's like two 30 minute drones but Uh, it's I love those guys. Uh, yeah, speaking in Barn Owl reunion, that's the reunion the world I, needs. <laughs> I know, and it's been crazy because I, I follow, um, I guess Evan Evan Caminiti a little bit more closely uh, on Instagram, and it looks like mm-hmm. he's really into tattooing, and I get the sense that he's kind of focused on that, and maybe music is less of a thing for him these days, which is. I mean, I'm very happy for him, right? Uh, but it's very sad for me. Right, right. And then I yeah, feel like I, John's like more recent album. Um, you know, I think he had a kid recently, and it felt in a lot of ways like this, you know, beautiful kind of like nursery rhyme. Not, yeah, it's not the right word for, it, but you know, this like I, I know what you mean. It was made for his his baby, and um, you know really compelling and beautiful stuff but it, i don't know i just get the sense that like 
music is less of a priority for both of them right now. Yeah. And, you know, and it's one of those things too, where I, like, I can imagine, you know, they've moved on from Barnett's like, we're done with Barnett. Right. Like, uh, you know, but man, when it came, when it comes to like that kind of whatever that strain of like experimental music was, Barn Owl was as good as it got. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, man. Well, speaking of as good as it gets, <laughs> Tim, yes. what, is ob- what, what is objectively, objectively <laughs> yes. the best song of all time? Very critical word there. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, obviously, this is a tough one. And I think that uh, I could have very much interchanged my answer with like, what is my favorite song? Right. For uh, sure. <laughs> I don't, you know, not being a musician myself, I don't know that I could really answer this in any sort of like um objective way. Um nobody can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? But um a song that I have been saying to friends and family for as long as I can remember, um, uh, that is perhaps, you know, my favorite song or one of the best songs I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, is I put a spell on you. And honestly, the one that I'm probably most, re- you know, so this is the song that's been recorded by a lot sure. of artists. Um, and I, I think there's the, the three that I know the best, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more than that, um, are the Nina Simone version, which is amazing. Um, there's, I think, Screamin' Jay Hawkins is, one who's like credited with uh writing the song and that song is also incredible um but it's actually the credence clear water revival version that i am kind of most obsessed with um and i think that uh, like all three of those like kind of all three of the vocalists of those projects mm-hmm. have like very distinct oh my god very striking uh vocals and so they're they're all amazing in their own right but um there's something about that credence version i i I think if i had to put a finger on it it's it's kind of like the the structure of the song and like the jam middle section Mm -hmm. of the song which i feel like so oftentimes for me to have a song that that I like get really excited about it. It needs to have some sort of a like jam to it and, or like a crescendo of some kind, right? Like a build. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I understand that there was projects that were like predecessors to Credence. Um, but I also think it's quite remarkable that like, this is the very first song on the very first record that Credence put out. And it just like from the moment it starts, it's like a head explosion for me. Uh, yeah, and it kind of tells you what Credence is all about. Yeah. Like for their whole career, it's like here, this is us. Yeah, like totally. And I, I just uh, love that. Like the other two versions, I think are around like two and a half minutes long or something. It's a kind of a short song, but the Credence version is like four and a half minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I just love how it like it starts off. Um, with a kind of a more sh- traditional song structure and you get the kind of like the chorus of the song in there, but then like only a minute in, then they, they're like jamming for several minutes. Uh, uh-huh. And there's like, 
I mean, the guitar solo rips and I feel like the drums during the solo have this like really interesting reverb to them and it's like trippy and it's just, it's like, I don't know, it just, it makes me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> now, I Like, I think all the versions are great. And, and if I like, you know, someone's like, you can only pick one, I would probably pick Nina Simone's, right. but <laughs> Uh, because like that one to me it's like she's like just like staring daggers through you uh, and it's sure. and it's kind of unhinged and a little like in the best way but they're like the credence one like you said like after a minute when it kicks in it's like they take you out in the woods and you're like around a campfire like conjuring spear spirits <laughs> and like casting spells or something and yeah. it's this like otherworldly sort of freak out yes and I yeah, I love that too. And I, I don't even think I realized until you said that this was the first song on their first record. Right. That's that's wild. That's yeah. a pretty incredible thing to do. Yeah, um, no, for real. I, I do think, I mean, you use some good adjectives there because I think with the name, I put a spell on you, like it conjures this kind of, you know, like witchcraftery sort of vibe. And all three of those songs do in their own way kind of yeah. put on that. And I, to me, being somebody that loves kind of darker music mm -hmm. uh i don't know it just it has that dark edge to it that i resonate with um and like the nina simone song also kind of has like a almost like a saxophone solo which is incredible mm -hmm. uh yeah great it, just great i like amazing song. yeah and what a song too because it's like yeah you have like and all three of those versions are these super well-known like you know i mean like but they all have so much like their own thing. Like they're, oh. it's the same song, but they're all different songs. And <laughs> like that to me is like, Oh, that's the sign. This is just a great song. But um, man, I'm still, I'm, my head's still going like, wow, that's the first, that's the first <laughs> thing you wanted to tell people. Right. Like that's okay. I respect the hell out of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, Start it off strong. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, Speaking of starting off strong and then maybe not finishing so strong, what's a song you used to love, but now you, you listen to it and you're like, mm, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Not, not for me anymore. Right. Yeah. So this one, um, I feel like I could have had so many answers. <laughs> it, it's funny, man. Like I, I really respect people that will tell you that the music that they listen to as a kid or in high school or whatever, like, you know, they don't want to put it in a box or like it wasn't sure. for them or like they don't want to like shit on it but like so much of the music that i loved as a kid when i listen to now i'm like what was i thinking <laughs> and probably the the thing that is the easiest uh to kind of make fun of is i was pretty obsessed with new metal um in oh. high school years um I actually remember, gosh, like, so my sister, even though she's three years younger than me, um, she had this friend group at one point that was really into music. And so they were introducing her stuff and then she was introducing me to stuff. And it was a lot of pretty like <laughs> under the radar stuff uh, that I ended up really loving. And I remember them being <laughs> obsessed with like the first Corn album. And this was like before Corn was popular yeah and i was pretty amazed by it i ended up like you know you know i had like all of their albums for a small <laughs> time there but um and then you know i loved like slipknot and um 
Fear Factory. And I, I remember like my sister and I used to go, there's a band called Cole Chamber. And we, we probably saw them every time they ever came into Philly. We were obsessed with them. They're all like pretty embarrassing at this point. But the one I ended up picking was um, a System of a Down song, uh, which again, I was like really into that band at a period of time. I remember, I mean, I've told the story multiple times in my life of how I like got to meet the band and like oh man. get their signature and stuff. I thought it was so fucking cool. Um, and I remember the if you look at like their first album the album cover is like uh-huh. basically just like this hand uh, i remember having a t-shirt that was that hand and it was like way oversized and the go- like such a goofy t-shirt again like oh my i just gosh. look back at these memories i'm like right pretty embarrassed by it honestly but uh yeah one of the things i can say about this mother down though that I think undeniably kind of made them so unique and uh, that I connected with was, you know, they, they had that, they were kind of like, I think they're like from Armenia or something like that. And so they had, oh, I no idea. they had infused this kind of like, I don't know, almost like a middle Eastern for la- I don't even know what the right word is, but the, there was this thing about their sound that, uh-huh. um, was like weird. maybe they were using like different scales or something they're more like yeah, Eastern it was European. Like just yeah. weird enough that it was like what is going on here this yeah special you know and um yeah the I, I ended up picking the song sugar which is like on the first album and i think it might have been a single or something i definitely remember you know singing that song like <laughs> very loudly at the shows <laughs> uh but when you uh, listen back to it now it's just like the goofiest song it's so weird yeah um uh, so yeah i don't know <laughs> i yeah i don't I, I never i i don't i don't get the appeal of this stuff <laughs> like right. the, I, I mean I, don't get me wrong I, there was plenty of terrible thing. like you know i i think back to yeah i'm like there are stuff that i was into when i was younger that i'm still i i will stand by um but there's plenty of stuff that no not at all and <laughs> so i'm not like trying to be like i'd be on a high horse here but yeah like the the new metal thing i never it just i yeah i never got it and so i was listening to this and i was just like yep still don't get it yeah yeah i know <laughs> it's for the best man it's for the best that you stayed away from that yeah so i mean i can <laughs> but it, you know it ha- it had its moment like oh, it was sure. uh, uh yeah, i don't know, I think have you ever seen that uh that documentary about Lollapalooza? i want to say it was like 94 or whatever when like shit just totally hit the fan and oh yeah 99 yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. when like the people there was all the mud and they were throwing yeah. they were burnt, like yeah i watched that documentary I guess the year, I don't know, whenever it came out, like last year, I don't could have been three, four years ago. I don't know what yeah. the fuck is time. But like that was like the heyday of, of new. Yeah. And there's so many of those. Like, oh, yeah. Cause I, I remember the section of that documentary where they were talking about Limp Biscuit and yeah. how like that, like just fucking lit the, right. few, like that was the moment where it all went to hell. Exactly. Yeah. It was such a big part of the, the narrative yeah. of the documentary because it was like those new metal bands were the bands that just caused everybody to like lose their shit and that's when it really went yeah <laughs> for real. 
<laughs> yeah. God. Uh, all the more reason to. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, well, on the sort of as a, a tangential, maybe 45 degree angle, what's a song that people don't like, people hate it, but you don't care. You, you love it. <laughs> yeah. This one is kind of a little bit more of like a personal story for me and mm-hmm. it's a story that my wife and I have actually told multiple times because it very much involves my wife and, you know, um, uh, I love my wife so much, uh, but we have very different music tastes, uh, very, very different. And, uh, you know, we have some crossover, uh, sure. like anybody does, but um, a lot of what I listen to, she just doesn't get and often makes fun of me for. But um, there was this moment, and I remember when, um, when Pharmacon kind of first started, like, being in the news uh i you know i think uh sacred bones put out mm-hmm. one for records and it was kind of like loosely in my peripherals and i i think mm-hmm. i probably listened to it uh at some point and was like okay like you know i i'm kind of past my like harsh noise days and uh i had kind of like written it off i guess you could say but then years later um uh, I, I think i must have been listening to a podcast or something and you know something inspired me to I, I guess there was some talk about like how her live shows were kind of notoriously special and yeah. so i was like all right i gotta give this a second chance and so i remember this moment when i was sitting um in my dining room and my wife was in the kitchen they're kind of like adjacent rooms and um my wife often works in the kitchen she does like she's an artist and woodworker and she anyway she she was working in the kitchen and i was on my laptop in the dining room and i pulled up this like youtube video of a live show from pharmacon and uh, i was kind of enamored by it you know i was like wow this is like super compelling and she was like beating on like big sheets yeah. of metal you know and like running around the room screaming like crazy and it was i thought it was so cool actually in, in that moment and my wife is you know listening to this in the other room and she like loses her shit she's like what are you listening to like she literally lost it and that's not if you know her personality that's not <laughs> that is not her you know like she just flipped um oh. and she has you know like i said like told that story so many times and anytime something comes up that where she like wants to like note some music that i like to somebody to kind of like make fun of me for it it's always this... <laughs> oh my god yeah so, i it's so intense. Yes. Oh my God. It is. Yeah. Like I remember when it came out and it just, I feel like it just like kind of cracked people's heads open. <laughs> and I, I never got to, I never got to see her live like in person, but I've watched some of the YouTube stuff and it's, it's man. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's a lot, but yeah, it's um, not a thing that I would like listen to. Yeah. Stream or whatever on a regular basis. Uh, but yeah, the, the track I ended up picking was called, uh, crawling on bruised knees which i feel like i picked that one specifically because i feel like it's kind of one of the most 
approachable of her songs. Uh, Which is hilarious. Yeah, but yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like that song too. It feels like being in a war zone or something. <laughs> like the way the like oscillators feel like warplanes going around, oh, and yeah. then like her uh, the perco- oh god, it's, it's still so intense for sure. It's so intense. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> it's been a while since so I feel like she hasn't had a record out in a long. Right. I don't know what's going on there. Hope oh, you know. I don't know. I have and the oh, and the record co- the cover for that album. Oh my god! With the maggots. Oh my yeah. god! All of her record covers are also oh, like equally it's, as as in, insane. Yeah, it's <laughs> bananas. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> com- this is about as unrelated to Pharmacon as we can get. But <laughs> right. I hope, God, I yeah, hope, yeah. Uh, if if Pharmacon had been your answer to this question, I would be really. <laughs> really freaked out yeah just end the podcast immediately yeah i'd be like all right thank you good night um but what what's the most romantic song (laughs) yeah nice well this was one that uh i felt like i had to like talk to my wife about because i I wasn't really (laughs) sure and actually i think again to reference patrick shiroshi which i love him by the way and i've gotten to hang with him a little bit i think he said like uh boys to men song which uh i loved that answer because mm-hmm. being like a philly guy like boys to men was always important to me and yeah. um actually some boys to men songs have been like my karaoke song at times oh, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah when my wife my wife was actually the one that helped me come up with this answer and i thought it was actually like a really beautiful answer and it it does very much relate to um the time when we were kind of first getting together and we actually had like a fairly tumultuous uh beginning to our relationship and um i was listening to this album pretty regularly around the time and really and really loved it so leon bridges is the artist um and I, i ended up picking the song better man which um it felt i think in a lot of ways to call that a romantic song could be a little bit confusing because it's really kind of about like him trying to, you know, get back with right somebody that he lost. Um, but I could really relate to that because, like I said, like my wife and I were kind of on and off again there early on. And there was definitely a time when I was listening to this that I was like trying to get her back. So yeah, I always really resonated with that. Um, there's a line in that song. It's like, I thirst for you, girl, baby, I'm running to your well. Uh, yeah. and I always love like, oh, so like a cool way to think about uh-huh. concept. Um, and actually another kind of cool part of the story was that there was this, you know, my wife, Annalise, she was also really, into this album and um she's super close with her sister heidi and i think heidi really loved the album as well and so one night they were kind of like i think they were probably a little drunk and they they had this great idea to like buy tickets to see neon bridges on this tour and so they bought tickets and they were all excited and then after they sobered up they realized that they actually bought tickets to a show in new orleans uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were living in Asheville at the time. And so uh, they were like, oh, shit, whoops. Uh, and so then I was like, well, 
we should we should still go to it like yeah be on bridges in new orleans would be amazing uh yeah and i had actually never been to he was playing at tipatina's which is kind of like a legendary venue mm-hmm. um and so my wife and i ended up like taking a road trip and like camping along the way and going to the show and it was an amazing show and like i remember his like mom was there oh my show. god like it was a very emotional show for him so yeah that, that was beautiful just a great, great yeah song and a great record yeah and I, yeah i just like i love the yeah there some of the lines in the song just the sentiment of it is i think it's really romantic like in the like i would swim the mississippi for it's like I, or what oh yes. my god it's just like <laughs> yeah well one of the things that always like it blows me away that this is like a contemporary song right oh, and, the, the whole album like it yeah. sounds like it's from the 50s or something yeah you could have told me that this was some lost 50s album that somebody unearthed and, right. and i would have ate it up yeah. like oh it's totally. so good that was I yeah that was definitely why i just remember being so struck by it and like loved it um yeah. still, still do and still can basically sing like every word of that yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah. um okay well uh what's what's a song that changed your perspective on an artist for better or for worse yeah so um yeah this one i would say my answer ended up being a little bit self-serving on this one because I was kind of desperate to talk about this artist because he's kind of like my, probably my current favorite musician. Okay. Um, Love it. And so this is definitely not like your, your rags to riches kind of like, <laughs> this is much more like riches to like even more riches. Uh, <laughs> to like, oh, this is great. To like, oh, this is like the best shit in the world. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, Richard Skelton is the the musician. And I remember when I first discovered Richard Skelton, it was um, when he put out this album called Landings, which I think mm-hmm. came out in 2011. And it's uh, when that album first came out, I was like, super obsessed with it. It was probably like my most listened to album of that year. I remember just putting it on kind of in the background of it so many like life experiences i had around then and but in some ways that album is i would say if you had to categorize it it's kind of like modern classical or whatever um Mm. and that's not really a genre that i typically seek out Uh, i'm not even Mm -hmm. sure like why it ended up being on my radar and so i think that i for whatever reason had kind of like compartmentalized Richard Skelton or put it, put him in a box, if you will. And just kind of honestly, just like didn't pay that much attention to his like subsequent work. Um, and then in 2020, um, Richard Skelton put out a, a solo album on, you know, on his own. Well, this will become relevant later, but it was again, like under his own name and, it, but it was on this label called phantom limb that I really love and that I, you know, follow and I try to listen to like everything they put out. So this was because it was on that label. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I gotta, I gotta hear this. And when I heard that the album, um, I think it's called these charms may be sung over a wound. Um, it was just so, so different from what 
I thought Richard Skelton was, based on <laughs> endings. And um, it was so much more that kind of like drone, uh, kind of, yeah, like dark, ambient, experimental, like synthy music that I, you know, most love and most <laughs> like attracted to. Um, and that album, you know, was definitely one of my favorite albums of that year. I really, really loved it. And then, um, then he ended up actually putting out an album this year, um, which is kind of in the same vein as that album, though I feel like it kind of in some ways integrates some of the stringed instruments that he was kind of most, mm -hmm. most working with um, in his more previous work. But it, I should mention that, so Ross Gentry, who I mentioned earlier in this podcast, who I've released a couple records with, uh, who lives in Asheville, um, a great friend and an amazing musician, uh, he he actually uh, introduced me to this other project that Richard Skelton has called um, the Inward Circles, which for whatever reason I didn't even know existed. And then when I like look back on, you know, I was listening through that whole catalog, I realized that he was putting out music kind of in this vein of droney music, uh, you know, early, far earlier than 2020. Uh, yeah, I was just like not privy to it, but um, but yeah, like I, as I've gone back through those uh, the Inward Circle albums, and again, like the album that he put out this year, I think it's called like Selenodesti or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And the that that these charms album, I mean, it's just like it just moves me so much. I, it's like the perfect music that i'm seeking all the time yeah i um i have a long another artist i have a long long history with i actually remember back at foxy digitalis like early days 2005 maybe uh he's i didn't know him i just got a cdr in the mail of i think it was the first carousel album okay it's like a promo and i was just like what is this and then <laughs> yeah loved it and um yeah just i feel like his work like there's like there's a lot of music that exists sort of in this general sonic landscape but none of it or very little of it has the power that his does to me yeah um i just think like the song you picked against bite and rend of snake like just makes the hairs on my neck stand on it like I, it is oh my god yeah like it just like he has this way like he builds all this tension and it's like very subtle but and then it never never goes away it just it's like he builds it and then it's like he walks off right you have to, oh. to like like yeah. leaves you to deal with it or something yeah dude i know um, there's a song on uh his album that he put out this year under his own name uh called faint ray systems um and i don't know if you've you know, you may have heard it, but maybe didn't like really hear it. But I would strongly urge you to put that on like really loud or like with headphones or something, because it's kind of a slow build, but mm -hmm. there's like this, this like really textural, bassy, like drone that like starts building and building. And it like, it's the ultimate, I mean, I've definitely cried multiple times <laughs> listening to that song. 
really okay. loud like it's just so powerful um i need to i've listened to that album a couple times but i need to yeah i i keep i want to get we, he and i've been emailing about getting him on the other like the foxy digitalis podcast to talk about the record yes. and things keep happening and it we haven't made it happen yet but we will yeah um, really and, hope that happens i'd love to hear that <laughs> yeah he's i i just think he's like over the last almost gee, like 20 years uh, his body of work is unbelievable to me and like yeah like full disclosure i put out a record of his in like 2011 i think okay. and landings was on uh type records which is a label that one of my absolute favorite people Legendary. and somebody who changed my life right hey. so um i have like yeah but i i totally know what you mean like his music i i'm sure i had a moment with his music i i'd have to think about it to pinpoint it where it was like oh yeah this is really good to like Oh wait, this is a whole lot more than that. <laughs> yes, yes, for real. Um, I know. This, I love that. This was kind of my like my moment because I know obviously like one of the things I love so much about what you do and what you bring to the world through your writing and podcasts is that like uh, curation piece and like you know I'm sure that your your audience is very knowledgeable about this world of music, but just in case anybody. Yeah. Can, Please listen to Richard Skelton. It will change your life. Yeah. Well, and you know, one of the things I, I, and I mentioned this to you when we were emailing it that I've wanted to do with this podcast is have people on who aren't necessarily like in this music world. Like, I mean, obviously you have the label and stuff, but you know, like to bring in an audience, you know, this goes back to what I was saying about like, if you put stuff in front of people, like just cause they're not familiar with it, like it will, like Richard Skelton is a perfect example. Like people who don't listen to like experimental music, whatever, like you put this in front of somebody, a lot of them are going to be blown away by it. <laughs> so, um, so hopefully there'll be people listening to this who are fans of like, you know, the beer and the wine and they'll be like, Oh, okay. I'm going to go check out Richard Skelton. So, What's up? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've already, you've, you've said a couple, you know, that lyrics aren't the thing that you, you know, you aren't, you aren't a lyrics person. Right. Let's just totally. put it that way. Yeah. But do you have some favorite lyrics or what are, you know, what are your favorite lyrics if you had to choose? Right. Yeah. So and you have to choose <laughs> <laughs> this, so this one, I must admit, I, I cheated on this one. Uh, okay. So I ended up picking a Cocteau Twins song and, and I do have a little bit of a background on, you know, why I picked this. Um, a, I'm just obsessed with Cocteau Twins. Uh, yeah always have been i think that liz, liz frazier is you know undeniably one of my top you know five yeah. vocalists of all time um you know i can credit them so much with my love for for shoegaze music which i still put a lot of energy into kind of discovering that you know modern versions of that now mm -hmm. um my so i had to actually had this really incredible moment um this is slightly embarrassing to tell the story but whatever <laughs> i was in portland oregon with my business partner doug it was just the two of us we were just like bouncing around town um you know we we were visiting breweries uh we were we got an amazing meal um you know it was i, I feel like there was some sort of reason why the two of us did this but it was just like a go go out of town uh we were living in seattle at the time just like let loose 
drink some good beer, eat some good food. And so we ended up going to a, a strip club later that night, which if you've ever been to Portland, the strip clubs there are exceptional. Uh, you know, I get that some people might have, uh, you know, a thing for strip and that's fine. I get it, it you know, but the strip clubs there are special. <laughs> they really are. Um, they're amazing. And so we, I think Doug and I had both like taken an edible and we're sitting at the, at the bar in the strip club and, um, this cocktail twin song comes on that, that one of the girls was dancing to. And we were just like, we were really feeling the edible at the time. And the whole experience was just this cocktail twin song was on. It was really loud. And we were both like, like grabbing each other. Like this is the best song ever written. Um, and you know, obviously it's one of those things where like the best, the yeah. best beer you ever have the best song you you know so many things that you feel like are the best are tied to like a bigger experience right yeah um but to be honest with you at that time doug was really not like he 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 knew that cocktail twins existed but he had never really like dove in mm -hmm. so that moment caused him to, to to dive in and like so we bonded a lot subsequently over that band and then there was a period of time when we were, you know, our, our like naming conventions of beers has really kind of evolved through mm -hmm. the years into what it is now. But there was this period of time where we were actually like naming beers after Cocteau Twin songs or in some <laughs> cases lyrics. And um, it was always really cool when people would be like, yo, that's a Cocteau Twin song. That's awesome. like, uh, you know, we would kind of bond with some yeah. of our, like customers over it. Um, so there was this period of time where I was like, even though, like I said, I'm not really like a lyric guy, I was like, I was really just combing through the entire Cocteau's Twins <laughs> catalog, like trying to find something that would work for a beer name. And honestly, there's not a lot there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you read their lyrics, they're yeah. pretty minimal you know so i guess when i say that i cheated here um to me it's kind of like it's you know and obviously liz frazier is like somewhat famously like sings in this way that it's kind of impossible to tell what she said right there's been like you know there's been this lore that it's like made up language or something like that right right uh, so it's really just kind of about like the way the lyrics are presented, the way that she mm -hmm. sings them, the like the passion that comes through. And the, I picked the song called Seekers Who Are Lovers, which part of the reason why I picked that song is because I just, that's like one of the best song titles that mm -hmm. Dr. Twins has ever had. Um, just an amazing song title in general. Um, but there's actually this like, live on the bbc mm -hmm. thing that the cocteau twins put out it's like a double album mm -hmm. and if i remember correctly this is the first song on the second disc uh, mm -hmm. and honestly 
I because the song is off the, off of like their last album, it was one that I kind of was a little bit less familiar with. And there's something about that live version and the passion that she sings with. It just like it kind of became one of my favorite songs of theirs. And it's like specifically that live version is yeah. so much better than the studio version. Uh, yeah. And there is like totally YouTube videos of it. Um, it's just a really powerful, beautiful song. Yeah, that's so good. What are some uh, name beer names that had were named after Cocteau Twin songs? <laughs> oh man, do you remember any off the top of your head? Um, <laughs> gosh, I would probably have to look back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let me look. Yeah, um, nothing that I can. I mean, I'm really bad at remembering songs. I'm, well, uh, well, and I'm sure you got it. There's a million beer names to remember too. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that it's very possible to use cherry colored funk because that's like, gosh, you can relate yeah. that to beer really easily. Right. Uh, I think we might have used Fru Fru Foxes and Midsummer Fires, which also oh, nice. kind of yeah. feels like it would be a beer name for us. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not, it should be. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, well... Uh, what is the song that you that you have or you can listen to the most? Yeah, so this was um, one that, again, like my kind of was inspired slightly by discussions I had with my wife. And she was she immediately was like, oh, yeah, I know your answer for that one. Uh, <laughs> and so clearly it's a song that I listen to a lot. But yeah. uh, back in 2020, this band uh, called Deserta put out an album uh, called Black Aura, My Son. And the guy, it's it was basically like a bedroom project of this guy, Matt Doty, who played in a band called Saxon Shore, which was a band that I really loved back in my kind of like early college or like, yeah, like college years into like post-college where I was listening to a ton of post-rock. Um, and they, I know they have some tie to Philly, I remember. Uh, I think they might have been out on like Burt Toast Records or something, which was kind of in the Philly area, if I mm -hmm. remember correctly. But anyway, um, Black R and My Son by Deserta. Yeah, it's, it was, it's just this really incredible shoegazy um, project. And um, I was just super obsessed with that album when it first came out. And there's a song called Hide. Uh, on that album that for whatever reason that one stands out the most to me it, on that album it just has such a incredible kind of like opening sequence christian mm -hmm. like has that huge build that you love in like a shoegaze song um and actually it kind of my love for that band had really solidified um the following year when um i had like basically reached out to matt through social media and i was like hey we put on this burn pile fest which i mentioned earlier we put on mm -hmm. this big festival every fall and we've been um you know trying to get some touring bands and like i would be totally over the moon if you would play that fest because i'm just obsessed with your music <laughs> and he was like super into it and, That's awesome. um, yeah, he came out and we, you know, he came out like to our pre-party the day before and I got to meet 
the the band that he was kind of touring with and a uh, really incredible person and uh, he ended up putting out another album like that that year if i remember correctly that was also great so uh, yeah that's just one that i reapproach pretty regularly apparently according to my <laughs> according wife. To wife yeah yeah that was i had this is something i hadn't heard and it was oh it's great i like i feel like there's the thing that really stuck out to me is like there's like a lot going on but it never feels like there's a lot going on like yeah. there's um and yeah like there's a part like when that's just like the distorted guitar comes in and it's kind of got this sort of like shreddy texture to it i don't know but it's just damn like yeah. that it's just like i'm once that part when that happens i'm like okay you got me I'm right like, <laughs> i know yeah it's, just, it's like just honestly right now dawning on me that i remember one of the reasons why i love that album so much like i said it came out in 2020 so it was kind of like covid lockdown year and mm. there was something about the way that that album was recorded uh, I, mm-hmm. I think it was i think it's kind of like this really low end like synthy bass that he uses mm. it's just kind of like this rumble that's happening that, yeah that when you listen to it really loud it feels it's like there's something about it that it, it feels almost like a live recording. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it was, it felt to me at that time, like the closest thing that I would, I had really been able to get to, to a live show. Cause I missed live shows so much at that. Right. Point. That was definitely a big part of why I just became like extra obsessed with that album. That makes sense. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, what what's the last song that you completely fell in love with? Yeah, so this is one that I would say is uh, probably my favorite or amongst my favorite tracks of this year. Um, one thing that I haven't really, I guess, mentioned that much is that I probably like you or like many kind of music writers, though I'm not a music writer, but, you know, I'm very obsessed with uh, contemporary music and i really have been for a, a long time now I, I kind of in some ways use my like personal instagram as almost like a mini blog mm-hmm. sharing the music that i'm loving and i in the last couple of years i've been i've been like kind of creating my own you know personal like albums of the year list so i mm-hmm. i pretty obsessively listen to music like of the moment and i try to keep up on what's happening and so um you know this is probably one of my favorite tracks of the year and albums of the year and it's by it's um carl lynn uh l-i-h-n is the name of the artist though his apparently his his real name is uh carlos gonzalez lynn oh i was an artist from santiago chile and he's uh the reason that this out the album's called k and the song i picked is called resurrection which is the opening track um i think the reason why i discovered this album was because it was put out on um this atlanta-based record label called echodelic which really um focuses a lot on like heavy psych and like space rock like Mm -hmm. super psychedelic music which i really love kind of like kraut rocky sort of stuff as well and um this guy 
typically plays in a band called um, Los Tabanos Experience, which um, is a band that, you know, I kind of was loosely uh, aware of, but for whatever reason, never like fell in love with it. But this um, Carlos Gonzalez Lynn is a member of that band. He's like the guitar player. And so this was his first like solo album. And it's, um, it's, I would definitely put it in like the modern kind of kraut rock uh, category. And it's just like, so like rich with effects. It's like this very dreamy, hazed out, stoned, uh, psych rock. Uh, and like, you know, the, the vocals are very like distorted and Mm -hmm. apparently all the vocals are like Jack Kerouac poems. Oh, wow. That was pretty interesting. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that first, tr- I mean, I probably could have picked a couple tracks from that album, but that first one, uh, it's a song that I've listened to really loud, like so many times this year. And it just like really pumps me up and it, um, it's just, uh, but it's also yeah. like super, like, you know, it has that motoric, beat of kraut rock that kind of keeps it moving but kind of every other element is super like hazed out mm-hmm. uh, so it's like this weird juxtaposition of like driving and getting you excited but also like kind of a sedative at the same time right yeah no this is another one, like totally new to me never heard of this guy and i bought the i bought the album because it was like when i listened to this i, I listened to the track yeah, and I just kept listening to the album. I was like, "This rules!" Yeah, Holy and, really and that's awesome. I didn't realize that he was from from Chile. That's really cool. Like yeah. one of the things I really try to do with Foxy is make a real effort to cover music outside of like the U.S. and Western Europe because right. that stuff just gets all. I you know I'm not going to get into all that, but like, oh yeah, and I so feel that's, like uh, South America, you know, like Chile, oh my God. Argentina, like you know, so again, like I. I'm pretty focused on that kind of like um, mm-hmm. space rock, psychedelic, crowdy thing. So, but I, I feel like I discover a decent amount of bands of that ilk, like coming out of South America. Yeah. For whatever reason, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, no, this is awesome. Um, I was real. This is like again, this is like one of the great like parts about doing the show is I learn about stuff that I didn't know that is awesome like right. this and um I'm, and i'm glad i did it before like i'm like okay this i'm gonna have to like put this as an, somewhere on my year-end article because people definitely need to check it out so um okay we're in the home stretch here the last two questions <laughs> the big questions as i like to call them so first what's the song that means the most to you and it's not necessarily the song because of the song itself but because you associate it with something or someone or an experience that is just like such an important thing right yeah, so um, I had kind of referenced this earlier in the conversation, but when I was talking with my my dad and my sister about like those songs of of childhood that really or those albums really that really stood out, the one that is you know inextricably it's so tied to my childhood. It's you know I just remember my dad playing it a million times and <laughs> it never got old to him or to me uh it was graceland by paul simon 
Uh, it's just such an incredible yeah. uh, album, obviously legendary album. Um, you know, again, I could have picked a lot of different songs from that album, um, but the, well, the one I picked was "Homeless" um, with Lady Smith, Black Mombazo, which I think is—I just remember that um, song. Just really like, I don't know. I just remember my dad being really obsessed with that song, and I think it felt to me like, in some ways, that song led my dad to you know, want to learn more about African music. Um, <laughs> I definitely think that that, you know, that filtered its way into me. And I, mm -hmm. I do have like a deep love for African music, like, you know, especially the more kind of like psychedelic blues and stuff mm -hmm. that comes out of Africa, uh, even, you know, now modern stuff that's coming out. Um, but yeah, it's just such a, such a powerful song um and I, and actually another kind of reason why that song has solidified for me as being so important is um that that first year when we were having our burn pot festival at, at forestry camp the, the bigger outdoor you know the great the more grandiose version of it i mm -hmm. remember you know i was i was so excited for it and we we brought in this like big stage this massive sound system and Honestly, we were a little nervous about doing it. It's like <laughs> the, the restaurant is like kind of in like a neighborhood. And we were like, oh man, this is going to be so loud. Uh, <laughs> my neighbors don't hate us. But I remember they were doing like sound check and they um, they put this song on. It was kind of like the first song they put on when they cranked oh. the system up. Oh my gosh. And it was just like i was like oh my god i love this song and it sounds so amazing and it was like such a kind of a big moment it felt like for for me and for the business yeah. and um and then the sub the next year uh we used the same company to do like sound and and like that we rent the stage from and everything and they they, they put that song on again during sound check <laughs> and i was like i wonder if this is a thing like i wonder if this is uh you know kind of like one of those songs that sound engineers play right you know like uh yeah that that, that has a certain sound that helps you really mm -hmm. dial in i don't know but um just uh yeah it had to be from from graceland and that was like the one that was that other album that my sister was like you gotta either pick the nylons or also right. land. Um, she knew instantly you know yeah you know i guess it probably weighed in a little bit that my dad was visiting at the time that i was thinking about these answers but um you know it will be you know when my dad is is gone um that album will always you know make me remember him yeah. um and very fondly so yeah, kind of love that. that emotion to it as well. Yeah, oh, I love. I just it's it's such an unbelievable piece of music. Yeah. It's so <laughs> it's incredible. Um, I love it, and I'm yeah. I I can, I'm I'm trying to imagine like hearing it though, like on this huge sound system. That's got to be like this otherworldly experience. It's amazing. <laughs> really, really. Nice. Um. All right. Well, we've come to the we've come to the end here. What at least as of this moment what is your favorite song Woo. yeah 
but yeah, obviously, like, and it's impossible to pick one. Uh, yeah, so many people in my line of work ask me what my favorite beer is, and I'm also like, I can't. There's no way I can pick one. Uh, but uh, for the sake of this, you know, this exercise, I definitely could have picked um, the the CCR song. You put a spell on me. I could have picked that. I love that one too. But and then I. I considered picking a talk talk song, but I know that that band has come up a bunch of times on the podcast already for good reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that band so much as well, but I ended up going with, um, Hango in the night by Fleetwood Mac. Um, Hell yes. you know, oddly enough, uh, this album by Fleetwood Mac is one that I, I kind of feel like I discovered pretty late in life um i think like you know other albums of theirs are just much more like mainstream and um this album was one that yeah like i don't know the obviously the cover it's like one of my favorite album covers of mm -hmm. all time and the cover intrigued me and you know i honestly just it's one of those bands that i haven't put deep deep effort into knowing um mm -hmm. But yeah, for whatever reason, I remember probably only like five years ago or something, I was like, I'm going to really listen to this Fleetwood Mac album and just being totally blown away by it, feeling like it had this kind of like uh, darkness, the tinges of darkness to it at times that I resonated with. It had like kind of more like synthy vibes going on which I've, mm -hmm. I've always really resonated with and um this particular song um every time i hear it i just am filled with joy and excitement and right i feel like in a similar way as kind of what i how i described um put a spell on me like the, the structure of the song is one that i really love in music like it has these kind of um the, these kind of builds and it has this more like jammy part mm -hmm. of it you know like the, my if there was anything that i don't like about this song it's that it ends way too soon like i wish they could have extended that jam at the end of the song for like another 10 minutes and i would right yeah it's like give me the 20 minute version guys <laughs> i know it's out there yeah um, exactly because i'm pretty sure i if i remember right like this song originated it was Lindsay and peter green just jamming right is how this song started yeah. and it which i think comes through i um in, in a recent episode, the one with Natasha Pickowicz, she makes this really good point about how you can learn a lot about a person by like Fleetwood Mac is this sort of pick your fighter band. Right. You can learn a lot by who their favorite member is. And Go so do you, are you, are you a Lindsay guy or do you? Well, like I said, I, yeah, I, I feel like I'm not prepared to answer that question. I, Fair enough. I guess I should be embarrassed by that. But for whatever reason, I don't know, I just it's not one of those bands that I've put as much effort into as I probably should. I think I I I did listen to that podcast and I did think her answer was really compelling and it definitely made me want to like listen to more of his songs and stuff. <laughs> it is because he's unhinged. Like right. there's this unhinged aspect. I, like I I could listen to Stevie Nicks sing a fucking phone book oh, and I would like there's this God, there's this video. This is 
it's like her, she's getting her hair done like before show, like just warming up her voice and she starts singing Wild Heart. And it's like, there's no audience. She's just, somebody's filming it for some whatever reason. <laughs> and it's like one of the most astonishing thing. It's like just, it's her sitting in a chair, getting her hair done, singing the most inc- perfect. It's just, anyway, yeah. but... But all that said, Lindsay, like I'm a Lindsay guy because right. I think he's sure. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, and I, I'm definitely hearing that. I'm like, yep, I got to put more time into that <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I also I almost picked the song "Isn't It Midnight" on that album. Mm. Also, I'm obsessed with. I feel like that song, in some ways, feels like a bit of an outlier on that album. It feels almost like post-punk or shoegaze which are genres that i love yeah uh, but for whatever reason i went with tango in the night because I, I just feel like it's more like ecstatic it's more it, it makes me mm-hmm. hated when i hear it um i just love the the jam part of yeah it's just, it's just a great song <laughs> i can't argue i yeah no i i and I, I love that you picked this because, yeah, most of the time when Fleetwood Mac comes up, it's like something from like the first album or Rumors or Tusk. Right, yeah. um, but I think like this, yeah, I don't know. Um, Tango of the Night is, it's a it's a weird, fun, good time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, this was this was an absolute blast. Um, thanks for thanks again for taking the time for putting yourself through it to come up with answers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was honestly it was really really fun. Obviously, obviously, I love talking about music thinking about music and yeah like i said it was initially it kind of frightened me but like putting the work in and, and thinking it through ended up being very rewarding so i'm super Good. thankful that you asked me awesome and uh ceremony of seasons so the meg mulhern album is the next one yes yeah meg Mulhern's the next one um it's technically not going to be released to the public until early February, but um, the way I've kind of organized the wine club is the, the releases fall on the solstice or the equinox. Nice. So anybody that's in the wine club um, gets the record on December 21st. So you get kind of like a, a preview of it before anyone else. And then we're also going to have like a release event where Meg is going to perform on that same day and, we'll probably offer the record to people that are there at that point as well. But check it out. It's on Bandcamp right now. Just the, like the first track is available. Um, and releasing the rest of the record on, I want to say it's like February 2nd or 3rd or something like that. Yeah. I think it's, I think the third is the Friday. If I remember right. Um, and is the wine club only available in North Carolina? Is it, we have, uh, we can legally ship to about, 12 or 15, I forget exactly, okay. states. Um, a lot of states don't allow yeah. for the shipping of alcohol. Um, but yeah, or not that they don't allow, but we don't necessarily have like all the proper permitting for all right. So, so yeah, there are a decent amount of states that we can ship to. So, you know, go to yeah, check out burialbeer.com. It, it lists the states on there um, in the kind of frequently asked questions on the shipping area um and yeah they're you know if you're interested but you're in a place where you can't get it um reach out to me um and we'll see if we can work something out it's just uh mm, yeah. to, to my burialbeer.com is my email so love to hear from you mm. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again. This is a blast. Thanks, Brad. Once again, huge thanks to Tim Gormley for being so game and just like dealing with all the issues that we had to get the episode recorded and just being a fucking great guest. God, we had such a good time. I, I love when that happens. And yeah, I like now I'm just like, I got to go to North Carolina and like hang out with Tim and play a show or something. Um, check out his, there's a link to, of course, in the show notes to a playlist of all of his picks. You should check that out. Cause there's some damn good stuff in there. I, th- you'll find something you love. Um, and go to ceremony of seasons, ceremony seasons.bandcamp.com. Check out anything that he's released. The newest one again, Meg Mulhern's let it burn through the night is a really beautiful album. Really, really recommend it. Um, all of Meg's stuff's great. Hope to have her on the Foxy Digitalis podcast soon. And yeah, and if you're in the like burial visuals distribution area and you know, and you enjoy a libation every now and again, that might be something to check out. I, everything I've ever had from burial and it's all really good stuff. I, I'm no expert, but man, it's it's killer stuff. And it just looks so cool. And I'm sorry, but that counts for something, at least for me. So anyway, thank you all for being here. You know where to find me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky. Just look for Foxy Digitalis. You can join the Patreon for five bucks a month. Patreon.com slash Foxy Digitalis. You get the episodes early and you get a whole exclusive Patreon section with extra questions and hilarity. I don't know. It's always kind of wild over in that section. But hey, if that's not for you, you know, take the five bucks a month and go go support, you know, one of the releases on Ceremony Seasons or something like that. You know, just support artists and people doing cool stuff. Otherwise... Hope you're well. Hope everything's good. Hope the, I don't know. But whatever you're doing, until next time, keep listening to whatever the hell you want.